0: I've been ostracized for 12 years, I'm used to being alone, spent everything I had now, it's gone, I'm used to being put down, my issues said it all, my only hope is anchored, in this fall, I could just turn. The hymn of his garment I know I'd be made whole If I could just press My way through this madness His love would heal my soul the only one to So many people call how could he ever know? And that just a touch from him would stop the flow. If he knew would he rebuke me or shame me to the crowd? I'm desperate, cause it's never or is now if I could just turn him of his garment Somebody has unleashed my power where well, frightened and embarrassed I bow You see, I told him all my troubles And how How, how, how How, 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 how. I had to Touch the hem of his garment, and I know I've been made whole, and how I had pressed my way through his madness, and his love has healed my soul. I tell you. i
1: Wasn't that a wonderful song that John Avatt sang for us today? Think about that woman. She came up from behind the Lord and touched the hem of his garment. She thought she could be incognito. She knew she needed to be touched. But she came to the Lord, and then the Lord turned around and revealed himself to her. And he saved her soul. He didn't just touch her body, but he saved her life. He gave her eternal life, and what a blessing it is. Shall we just open in a word of prayer? Father, we just pray that you will be under control today by the Holy Spirit, that you will send forth your word, Lord. Please hide me behind the cross. Thank you for what you've laid on my heart, Lord, and just pray that you will touch our lives, that you will touch our souls. Help us to go out different than we came in and help us to rejoice in all that you have done for us. And so we commit this message to you and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking this week, the best place for any Christian to be is in the center of God's will. He doesn't want us to veer off to the left. He doesn't want us to veer off to the right. He wants us to be in the center of his will. And that's the blessing, because in the center of God's will, there's peace, tremendous peace. There's tremendous hope in the center of God's will. There's tremendous joy in the center of God's will. There's tremendous victory in the center of God's will. And we all know that we go through things in life that sometimes seem hard to understand, hard to experience, hard to go through, but as we go through them, the Lord is right there with us. He's right beside us. He, never, he promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And it's such a blessing that he has his will in mind for each and every one of us. The title of our message today is Dwell in His Will. Dwell in His Will. There was a man named George W. Truett that said, To know God's will is the greatest knowledge, but to do God's will is the greatest achievement. And that's what we really want to do. We want to know God's will, and we want to do it. That's what's very, very important in life. Paul, writing to the Colossians in chapter 4 and verse 12, says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervent for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete or fully assured in all the will of God. That was the goal that Paul had for every believer, that we might stand fully assured in all the will of God. And you know, when you're in the will of God, there's not a better feeling to have. You can't have any more peace than when you're in God's will. Because you know that what he's allowing in your life, what you're going through is his will for you, even though you may not have chosen that path for yourself. You know, left to ourselves, we would not choose it, but God knows when we need certain things and what he's doing in our life. Because the ultimate goal is to make us conform to the image of Christ. So he's got to do a lot of work on you. And he's got to do a lot of work on me. And that's where his will comes in. And so the three keys today that we're going to look at, and they all start with a letter D, are first of all, desire to do God's will. Secondly, determine God's will. And third, do God's will. You know, if you can imagine a door, a locked door, and you have a key, that's exactly how these points go. The desire to do God's will is the key. That's a very key thing. To determine God's will is to put that key in the door and unlock it. And then to do God's will is to open the door and go in. And that's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want his will to be mysterious to us or something that's hard to understand or I'm going to make it real hard for Mike to figure it out or anything like that. He loves us a lot, but he wants us to seek his will, to desire his will, and to do it in our lives. Well, the first thing we're going to look at is to desire the will of God. You know, it never ceases to amaze me how few Christians really, when it comes down to it, desire to do God's will. And I thought of that. Why is it, Lord, that so many of us as believers at times in our lives, why we don't desire your will? And I thought, well, one of the reasons is we're fearful. We're fearful that God may ask us to do something that's not comfortable, not something that we choose and want to do. So we're fearing God's will. We fear it but it doesn't make sense to fear it because God loves us and he has a plan for our lives. That's why it says in 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Another reason why we sometimes have a hard time desiring God's will is because we want our will. And our will gets in the way of God's will every time. And if you have to choose and put it on a balance, my will, God's will, God's will is the best. It is. Because He has the knowledge, He has the understanding, He has the wisdom of what He's doing. And as we had in a message a while back, God doesn't make mistakes, He never fails, He'll always come through. God's will. And we should desire God's will. I think back in the Old Testament about King Saul. Now, God had given him an assignment. Saul, your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to go and kill every Amalekite, every man, every woman, and every child. These people are wicked and evil, and the judgment of God was coming down upon them. Kill their king, their animals, their everything. Wipe them out. So Saul thinks to himself, Okay, I'm going to do God's will. So he goes out. And what does he do? He kills those he wanted to kill, but he leaves alive the king, egg, egg and he left alive all these oxen and sheep. So when Samuel came, comes, he says, what is this l- bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? What am I hearing here? What is this coming from? Oh, you know the people. You know the people. They wanted to keep alive some of this so that we can sacrifice it to the Lord. No, he made excuses. He really didn't have a desire to do God's will, and his life went downhill from there on, and God took away the kingdom from him, and he eventually was succeeded by David, David as king. But we have to have the desire to do God's will, to know his will and to do it, and it has to come from deep in our hearts. We have to really want it. When the Lord Jesus Christ was in the garden, remember how much agony he had because he knew he was going to go to the cross, and he prayed, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If we can get to that place in life where we are so surrendered to the Lord that we say, Lord, whatever your will is, I want to do it. That's where he wants us to get. As long as we're holding on to say, I want it my way, We can't have God's perfect way, but when we let go and let him have his will, then he will bless us tremendously. When I was uh, in the hospital on Friday, I was in that room for quite a while that Andrea came by, and all these verses started coming back to me, all the ones we would memorize in the scripture memory class, and all the songs that we've been singing, it was amazing. And I'm just singing them and thanking God. And they said, well, you're going to be here, Mr. Allen. I'm sorry, a little longer because it's going to be about an hour and a half delayed. So I said, okay. So, Lord, I'm here and I'm just going to. And I said, oh, good, because I brought my Bible. And I like to encourage you, carry your Bible wherever you go. You never know when you may be in a situation where you're going to need God's word right there with you. It's your sword. Take it with you. And then the other thing I had with me was my bottle of water. But they told me, Dean, you cannot drink anything. You cannot eat anything until this procedure was going through. And I was tempted, too, to reach over and get that bottle. But I said, nope, nope, can't do it. Because in this procedure, you cannot have anything to eat or drink. But I was just thinking, and as I was thinking about it, and I was saying this this morning, I was thinking, Lord, if there's any way that I wouldn't have to have this surgery, I would be so thankful, Lord, so thankful. And then when the end of the day came and they told me, we're not going to rush into this surgery, I said, thank you, Lord. I was just on top of the world thinking, thank you, Lord. Because when we put things in God's hands, he knows what's best. He knows what's best. And his will is best for us because our knowledge is so limited, so limited. But I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you this question. Do you desire God's will above anything or any person in this world. That's tough. That's tough. That's a challenge. It really is a challenge for us to desire it. Do I desire God's will more than money? Or can I be bought with money? Do I desire more than gold or rubies or any possessions in this world? Do I desire God's will more than any person in my life? That's what God wants us to get to that point in our life. That's why when the Lord Jesus spoke to Peter there on the shores of Galilee after he rose from the dead, he said this to Peter, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? In other words, do you desire me, Peter, and my will more than these? And we can all fill in the blank in our lives what the these are. It may be your career, it may be your marriage, it may be your family, it may be your hobbies, it may be anything that comes above God's will. He wants us to subjugate that under his will and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I like what A.B. Simpson said about this. He said, I like to interpose in all my appointments if the Lord wills. I love that phrase because if somebody says, I'll see you tomorrow, we should really say, to each other as believers, if the Lord wills. Because we never know what changes God may make in our lives. You know, we all start off every day with a to-do list, and whether you write it down or it's in your mind, you know what you have to do. But invariably, God changes our to-do list because he makes our to-do list in line with his will. He says, well, this was a good thing you had on your list, Dean, but not today. I'm gonna change it, I'm gonna give you this because I know you need this more today. And God has such wisdom and such knowledge. George Mueller, who was a tremendous man of faith, once said, I seek it to set out at the beginning to get into my heart into such a state that it will have no will of its own in regard to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people is just here. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is truly in this state, It is usually but a little way to the knowledge of His will. Yeah, what a great place to be in the center of God's will. That's where He wants us to be. And the first thing we have to do is have the desire to be in God's will. Because if you don't have the desire, you're not going to do His will. So that is the first key element, is desiring God's will. Secondly, is to determine God's will. So many times in life, we say, What is your will for me, Lord? What is your will? And what we're really saying is, what do you have for me specifically to do? Because when you think about it, God has revealed in his word the vast majority of his will already. He's given it to us already. If you read the Bible and you obey it, you're doing the will of God. Now, there's always a little things here or there that come up on a specific basis that we need to know. We want to know. Just like it says, inquiring minds want to know. Well, we want to know what is God's will. In John six thirty eight, the Lord Jesus tells us that it's God's will for every single person to be saved. That's God's will, because if you're not saved, you can't do God's will. It's impossible. And Jesus said in John six thirty eight, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. God's will for is for salvation for every person. It says in another scripture that, it is, that God desires all men everywhere to be saved. So if you come and you come to Jesus and you're saved, you are in the will of God. That is the key. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4, Paul tells us another aspect of the will of God that we should know. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality and that each of you possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. It is God's will for us to be holy. That is God's will. Some people say, well, you guys are always talking about holiness and separation and being separated from the world. Well, that's because the Bible has a lot to say about these things. We just preach from one book here in this church, and I thank God for it, the Holy Bible. That's it. We don't preach from other books. We may read them and study them and learn a lot from these things, but when it comes to what we really preach from the pulpit and teach in the Bible studies, it's from God's Word. That's the only life-transforming thing you, we, we can have. It's the only way. And Jesus is so good to us. In Ephesians five fifteen to 17, Paul says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. And then he goes on to say, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It is God's will for us, To redeem the time because the days are evil. I mean how many times do we turn on the television or onto the computer or onto the radio and we hear all the evil things that are happening around in this world and we are aware that the coming of the Lord is very near. And that should make us serious and sober in serving the Lord because of what he's done for us. It's truly a blessing. Now, one of the other things that Bill likes to quote, and this is one of his favorite verses, is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Bill calls them spiritual vitamins. And if you take these vitamins, Bill, you you become healthy, right? Praise God for it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that neat to know that one thing that you can know for sure is God's will is to be thankful? That's God's will. To be prayerful, that's God's will. To be joyful, that's God's will. So that means I can't go around sad. It means I can't go around trying to figure it out myself. I need to pray and it needs to be thankful. We need to be thankful for what God has done for us. A dear brother Turhan, sent me an email this week on an acronym because he knows I love these acronyms. Well, he sent me a great one. It's ASAP, always say a prayer. I thought, well, wow, that brother, he's a dear brother. Isn't that a beautiful one? Always say a prayer. You get into a tough situation at work. Dave he was just telling me, I mean, this brother needed that scholarship, right? You really needed it. And God really provided it. And he knows what we need and he gives it to us. And he wants us to be just trusting him every day. And that is such a blessing. Always say a prayer. Wow, that's a good prayer for Monday morning or it's a good prayer for every day of the week to pray. So may the Lord help us to remember that. There's another scripture too that's so good is in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5 and 6 telling us how we should be as employees and Bondservants in this world, Ephesians five six five and 6 says, Bondservants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. You know, it's always easy to do your job well when the boss is there, right? Boss is there looking, mhm, all of us doing our jobs, doing it well. But how about when the boss is off? Not in the office. Or the boss has stepped out for a coffee break. Do we work the same when no one is watching? But the Lord and that is, should be a challenge to our heart. It's God's will for us to be Christians every day, seven-day-a-week Christians, so that we're the same on Monday morning as Sunday morning, the same on Tuesday night as we are on Thursday night, and so forth. God wants us to be real Christians. It's like they have that, that analogy on TV. I like that. Real comfortable jeans. How about that? Real genuine Christians. I mean, that's what he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to put on airs. He doesn't want us to to be actors. He wants us to be real Christians that go out and live Christ in front of the people of the world. That's why the people at my work, I mentioned it before, we all sit together in the same room. They've heard my whole story of my heart situation. Now I get to go in and tell them Monday, well, you know what, I told you I was gonna be out having this surgery for six weeks, but now it's it's off. So it's amazing how God works. But that's where His will comes in, and that's where we trust Him for these kinds of things. Yes, God wants us to determine His will. And then once we determine His will, He wants us to do His will. You know, so many times in life we have our graduates. I'll ask you to raise your hands this morning. How many graduated this year that we have in the audience today? Raise up your hand. Graduated from junior high, high school, college. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. They're graduates. And you know, you're graduating in life. You know, before you went, and maybe you're a high school graduate, let's say, and you're asking yourself, I wonder what college I should go to. Should I go to UC Berkeley? Should I pay the money and go to Stanford if I could? Should I go to Cal State East Bay, which is to me will always be right, Cal State Hayward? But wherever you go to college, make sure it's God's will. Make sure it's God's will. Because it's an important decision in life. We also ask ourselves, what kind of job do you want me to pursue, Lord? What do you want me to pursue as my career? Who should I marry? How about that one? That's an important decision that will not only affect you Today, but for your whole rest of your life, who should I marry? The biggest mistakes that have been made by Christians in marrying in haste, marrying the wrong person, and ending up being just squashed spiritually. And we don't want that. We want God's perfect will. What house should I buy? What car should I buy? These are important decisions. We want to know. And when we ask God, do you think he's going to withhold it from us? No, I'm not going to tell you. No, when we ask God and we have a desire to know his will and we're earnest about it and we seek him in prayer, he will show us what his will is. And then it's so exciting because you say, thank you, Lord, you showed me your will, and now it's up to me. It's my decision if I'm gonna do it. And that's the key, we have to do it. I like the acronym also PRAY, P-R-A-Y, when it comes to God's will. The P is to pray. That's the first thing. If we want to determine God's will, we need to pray about it. Prayer should not be the last thing we think about. It should be the first thing we think about. But so many Christians, they turn it upside down. They do all the research. They look into all these things. And they do this and that. And then they say, I'll pray. Prayer should be And it should be through the whole process of seeking God's will. Secondly, the R is to read the scriptures. P-R, read the scriptures. As we read the scriptures, the Lord will reveal his will to us in specific ways. It's amazing. You'll read a verse and you say, wow, I've read that verse so many times before and I never got that out of the verse. Why? Because God is showing me specifically at that moment the direction he wants me to take the direction He wants you to go. And we've all experienced that. The Word of God is a living book. It's not a dead book. So when you read it, it comes to you personally. God has a personal message for you. It's like one person will hear the message and they'll get one thing that'll be for them. Another person will get something different and we all pull in different things. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the living Word of God and applies it to our situation and what we're going through in life. P, R. And then the A is to avail ourselves of godly counsel. The other day, I had a big important thing I wanted to talk to Sylvia about. And I was over at Adel and Sylvia's, and I said, Could I drive you to church? Because I want to ask you something. So, sure enough, I drove her over, and on the way, I asked her the counsel. Because I do not want to ever go outside God's will. And I pray about it, and I seek the Lord, but I want to get that counsel and make sure that I'm in the center of God's will. It's too important not to. We really need to. And we should never say, oh, I don't want to bother Adel, I don't want to bother Sylvia. Bother them. They want you to bother them. They want you to call them. And that's the, the unique thing about this church is they're open 24 seven. You don't have to make an appointment three or four months in advance or anything like that. You can come in to get counsel. And then the Y is, yield to the Lord fully and surrender our wills to His will. So P, prayer. R, read the scriptures. A, avail ourselves of counsel. And Y, yield to the Lord. So isn't that a good little acronym? P-R-A-Y, when it comes to seeking the Lord's will. And he will make it clear. There was a man named Christian Weiss who wrote in his book, The Perfect Will of God. He said this, and listen to this, it's so wonderful. He said, Can you think of a father who has no will or plan for his son? Can you think of a mother who has no clear will or definite ambition for her daughter? Can you imagine a man who has no special desire or pattern in the one he chooses to be his wife? Can you conceive of a king or a ruler who has no will or desire or law to govern the conduct of his people? Or a captain who has no plan for his soldiers? an employer who has no plan or pattern to guide the labor of his workers. And then he says this, If so, then you may also think that God does not have a plan for your life. For every one of these symbols in the Bible is used to represent the relationship of the Christian to God the Father. Isn't that wonderful? God is all of that to us. He's a father to us. He's a mother to us. He's a general to us. He's an employer to us. He does all of these things. And what an amazing father he is. And he wants to show us his will. And he wants us to do it. I read an amazing story. And this blew me away, this story. story is told of a bishop who lived about a century ago, who pronounced from his pulpit, and wrote it in the periodical that he edited, these words, Heavier than air flight w- is both impossible and contrary to the will of God. So he is making that clear that if you think you can fly, you are not only, not only is that even not possible, but it's not God's will, is it's what he's saying, basically. But interestingly enough, or ironically as we should say, his name was Bishop Wright and he had two sons, Orville and Wilbur. <laughs> How sure of himself that he was, but he was, right was wrong. <laughs> right was wrong. But isn't that something? So many times we limit God, don't we? We think God has to do it this way. He has to work it out this way. He has to do it that way because he's done it that way before. Or he did that for the other person. Maybe he's going to do it the same way for me. We limit God. We put restrictions on God that we should never do because God is a God of the impossible. And his will from us may be something that we have not even thought about. And that's how good the Lord is. And he is not limited. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 32 and verse 27. I learned it a long time ago and I love it and I go back to it because it's such an incredible blessing. Here the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah personally and he says this, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Now, we would never say, Lord, there's something too hard for you, but sometimes we think in our hearts, we think it in our minds. I don't see how this is ever possibly going to work out, Lord. This one is just too difficult. But what we have to realize, who are we dealing with here? A human being? No. God, the almighty God of the universe, has all strength and all power, and he can work out miracles for us if we just trust in him. Yeah, it's amazing. God wants us to, number one, desire his will, and number two, he wants us to determine his will. And then finally, lastly, and most importantly, once we've desired his will and once we've determined it, then it's up to us to do it. Now, this is where many Christians just stop right there because they get to the point where this is God's will, hmm, Is there anybody else up there? Remember that story where the guy is hanging from the cliff and he's saying, help me, help me, somebody help me. And then he hears the voice, let go, let go, and I'll catch you, let go. And then he looks up and he says, is there anybody else up there? Is there any other answer? Sometimes we get into a situation where we hear the counsel or we hear the answer that God has, and it's his will, and we don't like it, so we want to do something different. But God says, you have, you, now you know my will, now you're responsible to do it. And we have to do the will of God. Once we determine God's will. Because once you determine God's will, you're responsible. I'm responsible to do it. And if we don't do it, there's going to be consequences to pay for it. You know, there's a story in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 28, verses 28 to 32, that speaks of a parable. Let's read it together. Matthew Chapter 21, and verses 28 to 32. I love this story because it's a story of two sons. Two sons. And you love parables, right, Dave? I know Dave loves parables. This is a parable that Jesus told, the parable of the two sons. And there's a lot of prophetic value to it, but I'm going to apply it to the will of God, this story for our life. It says in Matthew 21, 28, but what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and likewise, said likewise. And he answered and said, Sir, I go. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Then Jesus said to Then they said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that tax gatherers and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax gatherers and harlots believed in him. And when you saw it, you did not afterwards believe in him. Two sons. Now here the father goes out and he talks to the first son. He said, son, go work today in my vineyard, in my field. And that son, let's say he's the young, younger son, he says, I'm not going to go. No way. It's too hot out there. That's hard work. We, that's what we have servants around here for. Why are you asking me, Dad, to do all this, this thing? I'm not going to go. But it says afterward, he came to his senses. He repented, and he went and, and did what his father asked. Then the father comes to the second son, and we'll say he's the older son. He comes to him, and he says, son, Go out and work in my vineyard today. Oh, sure, Dad. No problem. No problem. Sure, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, take care of it. No problem. And then he goes out, joins up with his friends, has a big party. Does he do it? No, he does not do it. Two sons, two different results. And sometimes in life, when it comes to God's will, we're like the first son. No, no, no. I don't want to do it, Lord. I don't want to do it. But praise God, we come to our senses and we say, Lord... I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it because it's your will. Give me the grace, Lord. Help me to do it. And then sometimes we're like that second son. Oh, yeah, I want God's will. No problem. Yeah, tell me. Just, yep. And then we don't do it. But I thought, wouldn't it be neat if he had a third son? And, I, and here's the third son. And we'll call him the middle son. Let's say, if I'm, I'm, this is using our sanctified imagination, and he comes to, the, to this middle son, and he said, son, go work today in my, in my vineyard. He says, dad, I'll do it. Consider it done. He goes out, works all day in the field until the work is completely done, and then cleans up everything and helps the servants. We say, wow, that's the third son. That's the kind of son God wants us to be. Not just to say I'll do it, but not do it. Not just to to, um, say, I don't want to do it, and then to do it, but to have that kind of attitude where once we know what God's will is, we say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be on it. I'm going to do it. I like it when we have people where you can give them an assignment, and you know you don't have to check up on them. You don't even have to ask. You know that when you ask them to do it, it's going to be done. It's going to be done right. That's the kind of people God wants us to be. If we do God's will, we have to do it, to the best of our ability and give our all and be a blessing for the Lord. That's what it means to do God's will. And as Mike likes to say, obedience to the will of God is, that's where the rubber meets the road. That really tests us as Christians because a lot of us are good talkers. We can talk a great game, we, we can talk it. But when it comes down to doing it, that's what God is concerned about. Am I going to really do God's will, that's the key to it, that's the key. Someone put it this way, God's will, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And I really like that because when it comes right down to it, we can't achieve God's will by putting ourselves into it or say, well, I'm gonna change it a little bit, Lord, I'm just gonna tweak it a little bit, no. God's will is straightforward, right down the middle, nothing more, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. And I think in the scriptures of, the, of a great example of this was Abraham. Because when God came to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 4, God asked Abraham to do his will. And it was a difficult assignment. Because what he asked him to do, he says, Get out of your country and from your family and from your family's house, your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. Now, when you really think about that, bottom line here, what is God asking him to do? He's asking him to give him up his position as head over the whole family. He's asking him to give up his home. He's asking him to give up his possessions, and he's asking him to leave it all behind. And where's he gonna go? Show me, Lord, where am I gonna go? You're gonna follow me, and I'm gonna take you there. But where, Lord? I'll tell you later. Now, that is doing God's will. Because God reveals his will to us little by little. And he unfolds it like a scroll sometimes. Sometimes we want to know all the way into the future. How's it all going to turn out? How am I going to be in a year, in five years, in ten years? God says, just today obey me. Obey me today. Do my will today and leave the future in my hand. And when Abraham did that, he was so incredibly blessed. And he's called the father of faith and of all true believers in the Lord and just like Abraham we have to choose to do God's will and if we choose not to there's consequences throughout the scriptures you can see it you can see when a person chooses to do God's will there's good consequences your life is blessed you're encouraged you're built up God provides for you but if you choose your will instead of God's will there's consequences to pay and they may be consequences right now, but they may be consequences that can last for your whole life. Now that is scary, but it's true. You can make the wrong choice, and by making the wrong choice and not doing God's will, you'll have to live with it maybe the rest of your life. Are we willing to risk that? We shouldn't be. We should say, Lord, don't let me make any decision that is not your perfect will. Let me desire to do your will. Let me determine what your will is, and then let me do it, Lord. Give me the courage, give me the strength. So may the Lord help us to desire his will above anything else and to determine his will by prayer, reading the word, availing ourselves of godly counsel, and yielding ourselves to him. Yes, choices and consequences. It's up to us. God will never force you. He'll never force you with your arm behind your back say, You better do my will. He never did. In fact, he created us with what? A free will. Here's a perfect example, Cain and Abel. Cain chose his own will by offering up a sacrifice of fruits and vegetables. Now, I love fruits and vegetables, but God had revealed to him that the will of God was to offer a blood sacrifice, to bring a lamb and to offer it up to the Lord. And so when he didn't do that, He got very upset, and what did he do? He went out and murdered his brother, Abel. Abel, on the other hand, was the one who offered the right sacrifice. He did God's will, and even though it cost him his life in this world, his testimony for doing God's will and being obedient and being a man of faith still speaks in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with the hall of faith. He's there. Abel is there. One son chose his own way, And he ended up disobeying God. His life was a shipwreck. And God banished him out as a vagabond and a wanderer in the earth. The other one did God's will. And even though he died for it, he committed his life to the Lord. He wasn't going to compromise. And we shouldn't, as Christians, compromise with the will of God and say, Well, I did 99%. No, that's not enough. I did 99.9% of God's will. That's not enough. It has to be 100% because when we do that God will indeed bless our life and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior you can't do God's will it is not only hard it is impossible you first have to come to the cross and take your will and say Lord here I am I'm am a sinner I have failed you Lord I have messed up I have tried to run my own life and it's ended in ruin I come to you Lord please forgive me, come into my life, change my life, and Jesus will do that. And then he'll have a plan for your life. He'll have his will in your life that you can do. And as believers, we have to ask ourselves this question, how important is God's will to my life? Do I just go through life making my own decisions and doing my own thing? No, we can't. We need to be in the center of God's perfect will to dwell in his will. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for your patience with us. Sometimes we just don't get it, Lord. We just think that we can go through life and make our decisions and and do these things without seeking you in prayer, not praying about it, not reading the word, not seeking godly counsel, not yielding our lives. Lord, please help us to be people of your will, because when we're in your will, there's not a better place to be. And thank you, Lord, for the peace that you give us, the peace that passes all understanding. And so we commit ourselves to you today in Jesus' precious name.